Hey, patrons, this is an ad-free episode, an early ad-free episode. Uh, and these come to $5 and up patrons uh, uh, like uh, twice a week. And, uh, you know, think about how much you consume the podcast. Like I say on the regular show, say, what you say, listen to uh, 10 episodes a month. Consider paying uh, 50 cents an episode, uh, $5 a month. If I can just get one out of 10 people uh, to, to go from $1 a month to $5 a month, it'll be a huge, huge impact on the show. But only if you're in a position to do so. Uh, thanks so much. And now with the show. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, and my patron peeps, my patrons, uh, you know, it's time for the podcaster who says birds of a feather are flocking outside, uh, and they're making such a sweet sound with those wings. It's time for sleep with me, patrons. Thanks for supporting the show. Uh, hey, are you up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble, getting to sleep, trouble, staying asleep? Well, welcome. This is Sleep With Me, the podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with a bedtime story. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. I'm going to do the rest. What I'm going to attempt to do is create a safe place where you could set aside whatever's keeping you awake, whether it's uh, thoughts, you know, things you're thinking about that you'd probably maybe rather not be thinking about if, if, if you're similar to me. Uh, feelings uh, that could be associated to those thoughts, or they could just be feelings... Uh, you know, remnants of the day. Maybe remnants is a good word. I don't know if I've used that in the podcast before, but uh, I'm crossing my fingers to see if I'll remember re, re, a remembrance of remnant. Rem, rem, it's also uh, hard to say, uh, but it, you, you know, it could be feelings uh, from today or from the past or the future. You say, "Well, I got that thing tomorrow." Uh, it could be physical sensations, but whatever's keeping you awake. I'd like to take your mind off of that uh, to, to to distract you. Welcome you into this safe place, uh, or you know that it's where you are uh, to make it a little more comfortable, a little bit more safe. Here you go. I'm gonna puff that and pat that and tuck that. I have the 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 remnants of sleep dust here. That I'm gonna uh, they're kind of it's imaginary. That's why it's remnants. Uh, sprinkle that around. Uh, also forget what I was going to, oh, I'm going to, um, well, yeah, I'm here to, to, to put you at ease, to, to take your mind off of stuff. What I'm going to do is send my voice across the deep, dark night. I'm going to use a lulling, soothing, creaky dulcet tones, pointless meanders, uh, superfluous tangents, uh, uh us and us. You're right. You're right. <laughs> was that my Freudian brain that let you so slip? You say, yes. When Scoots has a Freudian slip, it's more like, uh. He's already like a Freudian spill. I think they call it in my case. He's like, what's that on the floor? Well, Scooter had another Freudian spill there. Right out of his mouth. Drooled it right out of his mouth. It was an eh, an ah. What did, what, did, what, what did Dr. Freud say about that Freudian spill of Scooter's? He said, a cigar is not a cigar. Uh, and then we kind of, that was when we realized he was a Freud impersonator because we said, well, that's a puddle of drool, uh, Dr. Freud. And then Scooter said, or something. And we said, Dr. Freud, what do you have to say about that? Uh, and he said, and then Scooter said, you know what? Uh, I'm pretty sure I used to pretend. He said, I got to get back to a podcast intro, believe it or not, because I don't even know what I was saying. I was saying, I'm going to send my voice across the deep dark, lulling, soothing. Oh, I'm going to go off on tangents. That's what I was saying. Pointless meanders. 
I'm going to take your mind off of stuff. I'm going to be here. Let me tell you structurally, if you're new, what to expect. Uh, if I have any remnants of your attention, is a uh, uh, show starts off with a few minutes of business. That's how we keep it show free. 300 uh, episodes you could listen to in a row uh, free. And that's only important for the regular listeners. So if you're new, don't worry about it. Uh, then there's an intro, which we're maybe a few minutes into. Intros are around 12 minutes or so. And it's a show within a show, like uh, kind of like a monologue, kind of like a trust-building session uh, that's only remnants. Like if you were going to buy, I don't know if they if that's what remnants are. Like you say, uh, you're going to buy some of those, like uh, that extra cloth you have uh, that the kids were making cloth dolls out of. And then you hold it up, you know, it's got all these different shapes cut out of it. I don't know. I don't, like, honestly, that just popped into my brain. I, I'm, I'm holding it up. That's kind of like what my thoughts are like. Uh, and I, sh- oh, that's what the intros are like, too, right? I try to explain what the podcast is, but I'm not wor- working with a full bolt of uh, fabric. Uh, to be honest, I, don't, I couldn't string together a yard. Uh, it's a patchwork of remnants. The scooter story, an autobiography, his 54th autobiography. A patchwork of remnants. Uh, the tale of the podcaster who kept making up titles for autobiographies he never wrote. Uh, to try to create a metaphor about an in- the introduction to the podcast. Uh, but the intro is kind of like uh, different use, listeners use it uh, different ways. I mean, the ideal way, I guess, or the main way is as part of your wind down routine. You see, well, I'm starting to get ready for bed. I hear scoots. I know there's a bedtime story coming. I know this intro is not going to make a whole lot of sense. So I can brush my teeth or maybe I just brush my teeth. I'm getting comfortable, you know, getting the airflow right, getting the bombing done, you know, puffing those pillows. A little bit part of a bedtime routine. Yeah, I think I said that. Uh, But for some listeners, they skip the intro. Some listeners fall asleep during the intro. And it's not just the intro, like more and more listeners I hear from, you know, if you're having a rough day, you could tune in and you say, well, let me, (laughs) I was having a rough day. Let me see. Scoots makes this podcast almost every day and he's made 700 of these intros. Let's see if, uh, and they say, well, it's not easy for Scoots either. So that's the intro show within a show. You could skip it or you could use it as part of your routine or you could drift off, uh, is then after that, we'll have a little bit of business. Then we're going to talk about the good place. And oh boy, are we going to talk about it? We're going to talk about the things I wrote, you know, my handwriting when I was trying to take notes when I was watching it. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, to believe it or you know, don't blush when I say this, but we'll be talking about Cheaty's Pecs, maybe. And I say, holy mackerel. But you know, even with Cheaty's Pecs, I'll say, well. You know, I'll, I'll try to, uh, you know, not say that he was in a sprinkler uh, and then in a, in a grocery store. I'll, I'll more say what was on the shelves of the grocery store. You know, what brand chili? So we'll be talking about stuff like that. You see, well, what what is, uh, here's something I haven't never paid attention to, and I apologize for this. What kind of footwear does Eleanor wear? Me, I got no idea. I would guess, uh. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't want to guess. I mean, would it be Chuck Taylor's? Maybe not. I think she'd want a more comfortable footbed. 
she'd wear what she said. This is what feels good. And I don't think, I don't know, maybe kids. Uh, uh, I mean, I'm more thinking this is more figuratively, like what would be if Eleanor Shellstrap was, you know, in existence and she said, okay, let's talk about what you want to wear. Uh, uh, oh, sorry. I'm trying to explain what the podcast intro is. Maybe she'd wear shoes made from remnants. Uh, maybe they could be a new thing. Remnants of sense. Uh, uh, my story, uh, who, who, who's a former treasurer of the United States or whatever, sign me up, you know, or my, my journey to eliminate the penny, a remnants of sense, uh, the Jean-Claude Coppa story. Let's just pretend that Jean-Claude Coppa is uh, trying to get rid of uh, uh, pennies. I don't know who's in charge, who's leading up that thing, but get in touch with me. I, I could write your title for your autobiography, because I already did. Or you could, it could be uh, a Jean-Anthony Lebec, uh, my defense of the penny in a world that no longer appreciated or loved it. it pro- that one would need a second th- subtitle because uh, for extra twist, because I think it would have to have a universal, you know, what we lost when we lost the penny and how I saved it. The Jean-Claude Lebec story, a remnants of sense. Maybe we'll just go straight to a masterpiece theater with that one. Do they have, has there ever been a masterpiece theater uh, series with about currency? Uh, irrelevant currency. Okay, all the pennies in my drawers are weeping now. Anyway, I got to get through this intro. Uh, so I'll be talking about the good place at some point. Uh, it'll be a meandering. You know, it's a twenty-two minute show. I'll be talking to talking about it for about forty-five minutes. But also, I'll look stuff up and try to read what's on. You know, try to read signs and stuff like that. I'll be here. I'll be here to keep you company. So that's the structure show. Ends with some thank yous and some good nights. And uh, if you're new, uh, oh boy, thanks for sticking around. Uh, you, got, you got a sneak preview of what I'm going to be working hard on one day. I don't know. Out of all my wacky ideas, they could actually, somebody, could somebody, this is a serious thing, remind me of this. Uh, I think this penny thing has got legs at least for a sleep with me episode. Okay, so that's your structure show. Here's a couple of other things. You don't need to listen to me. I'm going to be like, this is a podcast you could kind of passively listen to, or you could turn it even down to a mumble. Uh, you know, you could listen to it how you want, and you don't need to make sense of it. <laughs> Clearly, it's 80% nonsense, and the remnants of it is, not, you know, also, the you know, you know what I'm saying, uh, so, uh, yeah, you don't need to listen to me, but there's also no pressure to fall asleep. Here's the other deal. I'm going to be here till the very end, uh, giving it my all, which in another circumstance would be grounds for, you know, no longer working there. But for making a sleep podcast, uh, me here being here to the bar- very end or the very end, that was back when I applied to work for Strawberry Shortcake. And they said, we don't know what you were talking. You just went off on a tangent about uh, uh no, I said I was went on a fun tangent about uh, crossovers with the scratch and sniff stickers, strawberry. No, you were talking about pennies. Oh, okay. Thanks, uh, Professor Pepper or whoever, whoever, whatever, but, but, uh, but, but Baron Blueberry. Uh, I got to get, I, you know, I, I got one too many tangents in this intro. Otherwise, this would be very excellent, very good.
Okay, so yeah, I'll be here till the very end. If you can't sleep, I'm here to keep you company. But I'm also here to take your mind off stuff so you can fall asleep whenever you like. And I would posit that you say, well, maybe I wasn't following what Scoots was talking about, but I wasn't listening to my other thoughts either. That's the goal of the show. I'm here to be your friend in the deep, dark night and to keep you company with some inane banter. Or, you know, slightly, you know, she was saying, well, you see, actually, I have thought a lot about the penny uh, in the past. And I say, well, most of the time I shrug my shoulders. I say, well, Penny, what are you going to do? I think even Penny, you see, Penny, tell me about your fate. Uh, what do you think? Uh, eh, well, I don't, you know, it's been a good run. But, uh, we, you know, we'll pro- you know, you could, they'll probably find us. Uh, we'll probably, you know, I'll probably outlast you, you, Scoots. I say, oh, boy, whoa, whoa, whoa. How'd I get the penny with an edge? There's another story I could write. That could be the other person in the penny. Maybe there's a penny, like a poly. Maybe we could get a poly penny thing going. Maybe we could get a poly pocket penny edition going. But anyway, uh, no, no need, no pressure to fall asleep. I'm going to be here to keep you coming. You know, the reason I make a show is because I've been there in the deep dark night, tossing and turning lonely to be honest uh is lonely the lonely penny here does, does anybody know uh how to what about it books like encyclopedia brown i could do the uh lonely penny series uh the penny you know the penny that pouted maybe that would just be basic learning pout penny pout penny 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 uh, okay so that's the structure of the show. That's the rules around the show. I think the rest of the intro kind of demonstrated the sensibility of the show, which is silly to kind of give you, to make bedtime less serious and less like a rigmarole. Maybe to barely put a smile on your face. So you maybe giggle a little bit. Uh, and then you wake up and you say, I don't know what Scoots was talking about. Maybe Penny, I think Penny Loafers. He got a new set of Penny Loafers. And then he had the great penny loafer sock debate. And then he had the idea of the way he dresses in penny loafers. And then he tried to return the penny loafers. Something, I don't know. It was great. Uh, They slept so good. So if you're new, most listeners say this, uh, give the show a few tries to see if it works for you. There's no pressure for you to like it, and it doesn't work for everybody. Though, if I had a magic wand, or, you know, if I had a magic penny, I did do an episode about a magic penny. No idea what it was about at this point, but uh, I would give it to you if it was going to put you to sleep if the podcast didn't work. Uh, But for all I can do, I can just be here and do this show, and you can see if it works for you. If it doesn't work for you, you know, try some LibriVox. There's great international fairy tales on there. That's just one recommendation I have. Uh, but I hope it does because I work very hard. I strive and I yearn to help you fall asleep. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for coming by. And here's a few ways we keep this show going. All right, everybody, here we are. We're talking about a season three, episode five of The Good Place. A good place to sleep here is a Jeremy Barramy. And that's spelled B-E-A-R-I-M-Y. I don't know how I would have spelled it, but probably not that way. It would, but it makes it it's easy to say, bear me. 
Yeah, it opens with the, where, right where we last left off. The door, what the hell is that? Uh, oh, hey, guys, Michael says. Uh, what, are you, what are you up to? They said, we're getting more champagne. It's right behind the, the magic door. Uh, Michael closes the door. We see a hex cell pattern we'll talk about uh, later. I don't know what that other word says. Dalton, it looks like. Also, the portal closes. Uh, Michael says, uh, what door? And I think Eleanor says, whoa, 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 which I do a lot, uh, especially when I'm reacting to things. Uh, and they say, what's a good place? And then uh, I think Jason says, I know who this is. It's Zach Pizzazz. And then uh, Chidi says, no, it's the librarian from the university. And then uh, uh, Tahani says, no, it's Gordon Indigo, the rude Silicon Valley, inv- Valley, Silicon Valley investor. And they say something about an interdimensional door opening and closing, not a lot of wiggle room. That's what uh, uh, that's what Janet says to Michael. They've seen that. Uh, and Michael, uh, oh, this is, this, okay, well, I guess I should say it right now. So this is like the fifth episode in the season, the fourth one to come out, I believe. And really uh, some amazing, I mean, the the cast, the talent of the cast and, and uh is the writing and the direction, production. You know, I don't know a lot about TV, but I feel like the fifth episode is normally can be a bit of a dry spot. And this is really a, it is a episode that serves a purpose in the overall story of the season. Uh, but there's so many high points. And also there's a lot of uh, a very uh, palpably wonderful emotional moments. You know, which the show already does so well, but uh, with emotional depth, uh, depth, brilliant uh, <laughs> slip there. Though there isn't any of that in here, I don't think. Uh, and there's just a lot of good, uh, funny humor as well. Uh, and somehow they do that in a 22-minute package. I don't know. Don't know. So they say not a lot of. My, oh, so the scene ends with Michael saying to Janet. Uh, Oh, so you're going to say you're forgetting one crucial thing. He says that twice. Uh, and there's just a, the interplay between uh, Michael and Janet is uh, really good here. And, and then a couple other r- really uh, good moments. Uh, so the, the the character, I mean, the acting, I mean, I guess because it's like they've been playing these characters now for a while. Really, really good. Uh, oh, let's see. I guess I had more. Three seconds. Someone says, tell, tell us about this crazy space door. And Michael says, okay, I'm Special Agent Rick Justice. And this is Lisa Frenchy Fuqua. And uh, Jason Chris says, I knew it. And then it's so chapter 31. Then they say they're paranormal investigators. And uh, they, say, they say, no way. And Michael says, no, no, we can prove it, right? Janet, just ask Janet any question. Great stuff about nicknames. Eleanor says, no way. She says, these jamokes, like, I could see right through them. And there's a serious question. Michael says, you know, these is just goo and juice over there. And then this was a little bit, a small emotional note, but Michael's breathless. He says, you know, it's over. Uh, and they say, we got to tell him the truth. Uh, so then they cut to the post-truth. Uh, and everybody's like, this sucks. And then if... <laughs> Michael goes, they say, okay, to sum everything up, I don't know, I can't remember if this is Michael or, uh, uh, how is my, Eleanor, sorry, Eleanor, my mind went blank there. 
Also, just to cut to some scene stuff, there's two whiteboards. Uh, left one has uh, some stuff. You could, you know, if you're a $5 patron, you get to see these notes. Uh, well, let's see here. We got a, uh, it says other B, BP, D, there's uh, all sorts of writing on it in circles. I think talking about the original Good Place, it's 332, I thought it was points, but it was people. And then there was 802 uh, points, I thought it was, but it was reboots as I got to see it. Uh, we see uh, humans, Chidi, Eleanor, uh, Jason, and Tahani. Uh, foods, Froyo, Kebabs, Clam Chowder. Uh, 318 uh, b- b- people working for the good or the bad place, including Glenn and real Eleanor Vicky. And this is other BP people, bad place people. And uh, then they, there's another one with like a kind of circle with a GD, Eleanor, Jason, and Tahani. We may have seen this before. I don't know if it was the first season or earlier this season. Uh, some of this stuff on a board, uh, but it's, uh, I guess it in a little bit different way. It was a out of focus most of the time. I saw Eleanor fear the bad place. Uh, love is something. And then Michael says, hey, sorry for eternally do- 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 dooming you. And they say, well, how are we? How long were we rebooting for? It felt like 100 years. They say, it was, Michael says, it's 300. And then they're kind of like, how is all this possible? So Michael flips over to Hani, uh, what's that guy's name? Larry, wedding uh, engagement picture. Uh, he turns that into a whiteboard and... Uh, Trio of Earth's, uh, oh, timeline for Earth is a straight line. And we'll talk about the idea of a flat circle hopefully later. Uh, but he said in the afterlife, it's in a, the timeline is Jeremy Baramy. Uh, that's the timeline, Jeremy Baramy. And they say, how, what? Uh, say, I don't know what to tell you. And uh, I think this is cheat. He says, what in the hell is this over here? He's pointing to the uh, I on Baramy, B-E-A-R-I-M-Y. The dot over the eye. He says, choice. He says, I want to know what the hell that is. Uh, he has his glasses off, his arms are cro- crossed. And Mike says, This is Tuesdays in July and never. And I think, Jan- right, Janet and Jan says, Well, I agree. When nothing never occurs. And then Chidi's, or, or, or whatever, Chidi says, This broke me. <laughs> this dot over the eye broke me. And then I just noticed uh, some of the flowers match Eleanor's shirt, uh, which is a nice touch. Uh, and, but uh, then Eleanor says, you know, I'm Audi. I'm, I can go back. Uh, I don't need any of this. Uh, I'll see you all in H-E double hockey sticks. It really means it. Uh, and Michael and kind of uh, Janet, no, 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 don't go. No, don't go. Then we have this multiple, I think there's multiple locations named after Nemo, but I'm not sure about that. This bar is called Drinking Nemo. Yeah, yeah, free birthday margaritas. So Eleanor says it's my birthday. Then she says it isn't, but I just want a free drink. Uh, we see a safe, uh, Swanson Safe Company. Jason's going to be Tahani's uh, uh, Kevin Costner. Uh, Jason also m- mentions an off-brand SeaWorld he worked at. Uh, and then Jason says, we'd like to buy one opera. Uh, Wings in Atria, uh, Tahani says. I love that word, Atria. Yes. Oh, Jason also, I think Jason mentioned he just kissed a B.A.T. before. 
And this is one of the emotions. There's multiple Jason and Tahani emotional notes in here, but this is one. And just also wisdom. There's like a lot of wisdom doled out in this one. She says, I thought I've always been captive by my desire for attention. But this whole virtue for virtue thing. And Jason goes, well, I got to have virtue for virtue idea. It'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, then Chidi mentions that he may have heard of the entire second season of Gabe Bassos because he says G-O-D is D-E-A-D. What festivals of atonement, uh, what sacred games we will we have to invent? Uh, he says this person is Nietzsche, uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, 1882. I don't know how many times Chidi got called weird in this episode. The guy goes, you made it weird. And then Sprinklers hit Chidi. Yeah, he takes off his shirt and his sweater at the same time, a sweater vest and a dress shirt. Uh, so it must have been, I mean, no offense, but it must have been stunt clothing because he pulled them right over his head. And holy mackerel, is Chidi, uh, he's got a bod. I mean, I don't know what else to tell you, but he's like jacked. Uh, and I think they had mentioned, uh, they've talked about uh, both Jason and Chidi's bodies before, but... Uh, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I said, holy cow, man, he's ripped. Uh, he's ripped. I mean, he's you'll marvel. Give, give uh, William Jackson Harper a call. Uh, but let's see. What does that say, though? Complete around moon fest. Uh, we will turn it on. We fainted. Take shirt sweater off all once jacked. Manifest. Oh, manifesto completed. Uh, uh, oh, so, so Jason and, or no, uh, Janet and Michael are working on a manifesto. And they said, uh, we'll t- have to turn it on. We found it. Uh, but basically he says, we've blown it, but maybe one day we'll write this manifesto and someone else will succeed where we didn't. And this is another reason we watched the episode a few times. You just the acting, because uh, Michael starts hunting and pack typing and uh, the looks on Janet's face and her reaction, it's just gold, absolute gold. Great acting, hunting pecking. We go back to the bar, uh, and they're talking about, Eleanor's talking to the bartender, every place has its rules, uh, deal with it. Uh, no more, uh, oh, this is what Eleanor would want uh, if she had made her own rules. Uh, deal with things, uh, forget it, suck it up. Uh, no more Peter Parker movies and leave me alone. She said, kind of like the way things are in the U.S. Uh, then she finds a wallet. She goes, well, 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 wallet. Uh, but she can't take it. So she gets in a taxi, goes to someplace. It says, keep the meter running. Uh, the taxi ride. Oh, the taxi number was 2081. And it was 58 bucks to go to the first stop. But she says, keep the meter running. Eleanor's still in her pink star shirt. Uh, she's looking for Fred Boof. That really, for some reason, the word Boof makes me laugh. Uh, Eleanor uses the term schlep uh, because she she goes, well, you'll see the plot of the episode, but she has to schlep a plant, a hoe, a garden hose with a sprayer on it, a table lamp, and, uh, a table or a desk, uh, and then like a desk or some fancier lamp with two lights. It's brass. And some big old canvas bag. I also said I would pay attention to what Eleanor was wearing footwear-wise in the intro. Seems to be some sort of... I thought they were Stan Smiths, but I think they have Adidas stripes. I'll keep watching now, like, as I'm recording. But uh, 
Yeah, what does that say? 78 Palmer bomb, bomb boomerang. Oh, that's the address, 78 Palmer, which is right back by the bar. So they say boomerang. We see a lot of Australian currency in this episode. Beautiful money. Yeah, very beautiful money they have over there. Also, I think the term B&G gets used a lot. Okay, here we go. I'm watching for Eleanor's shoes here. She's getting out of the cab. I was a little bit ahead of the episode here. She's getting out. She's at the door. Uh, no shoe shot yet, but she's going to schlep some things. So, so we'll get. I know we'll get her shoes when she's leaving. Can you carry some stuff for uh, Mr. Boof, Fred Boof? Boof, we call it paging Boof, paging Mr. Boof, Mr. Fred Boof. You know, wait a second. It, yeah, so it's not uh, Stan Smith. It looks like it had two stripes and not three stripes. It could have been blue or black. Uh, so some sort of Adidas. I don't know what they were. But then we're at the B&G shopping market. Uh, uh, and Chidi's grocery shopping without a shirt on. He's got a, a thing full of almond milk. Uh, then he grabs some stag chili, skips the Hormel chili, but they're probably owned by the same conglomerate. Takes some peeps, pink, purple, yellow, and cyan, cayenne, blue, or turquoise. It looks like they're 99 cents a pack. Uh, puts on this uh, beautiful uh, lavender shirt. Who, what, when, wine. Uh, what does it say? But maybe one. Oh, no, sorry, I went backwards. Oh, there's these, like, wafer rolls, like those things you get uh, at Trader Joe's I was talking about, cocoa batons, they call them wafer rolls in Australia, one ninety nine, And I think they had, like, a coconut, strawberry, and a cocoa. Uh, reviv- oh, good thing about Chidi, I knew I liked him. He likes peanut M&M's, uh, so buys a lot of peanut M&M's. And they say, yeah, you can't shop without a shirt, so he gets a who, what, when, where wine. It was kind of like a stock photo, uh, like wine glass in it, like a splash in there, lavender. He gives a double thumbs up. Uh, he checks out. He's got the almond milk in there. Behind him is like an almond dispenser with almonds spilling out of it. Uh, his total's eight hundred and eighty. Yeah. Then Jason's talking about free money. Uh, or, oh, uh, Tahani says, are you poor? Jason says, don't do that. Chin guitar, trusty, current plan. I don't know what that is. Trudy, Trudy, current plan, Australian currency. I wonder what that says. Uh, chin guitar, Trudy, current plan. Uh, oh, Jason gets real here. He really has a, he has a real moment. Uh, talking about how much money would have changed his life, how little uh, would have, uh, how just a little money would have changed his life. And then at, we're at FNB Bank, uh, who won't process 131 million British pounds for Jason from Tahani because he had to, took too many lollipops, which did look like dum-dums. Uh, Tahani mentions the Heart of Oak Ocean necklace she got from James Cameron. Uh, Fred Booth gets his stuff back, and we have another big emotional note, really de- real depth. Uh, like, I put wow uh, around this picture. Good luck, Daddy. Maybe, like, a level of, I mean, I don't mean this in a bad way, like emotional manipulation that just says, uh, where are we going with this season? Uh, you know, what what's everybody up to? Like, you know, how many layers uh, is this really happening or not, you know? 
Well, let's just kick back and enjoy it, right? Then Chidi uh, has a masterful scene. Oh, first, we have a moment where Eleanor's touched, uh, truly touched. And then Chidi's making chili with peeps and M&Ms. And he says, okay, this is a kind of important recap. Over the last 2,500 years, uh, Western philosophy has three main themes of how to live an ethical life. Uh, virtue ethics from Aristotle, which promoted uh, courage and generosity and Dunlop or something in accordance. Uh, uh, then there's a shot of this in action with Jason and Tahani giving away money and supporting people. Uh, then uh, consequentialism. uh you know, rightness stems from the consequences, like how much good versus how much ungood. Uh, and we see Jason and Tani again. Uh, then deontology, rules and uh, duties that everyone must follow these rules, you know, live in accordance with it, and that works. Uh, and let's see, we're, let's see, he's talking about it right now. Oh, that's when Eleanor uh, decides to, uh, that's after Eleanor's rule discussion, she returns the wild to Fred. And then he says, all three of these are dookie. You know, I'm down for nihilism. Do whatever. Goodbye. He has this big out moment. Uh, this big out moment with his class. Uh, and Eleanor says, uh, cool speech, teacher. Cool cool lecture. And then she says, why do I always have a stomachache? And she says, well, it's a chili. And then they get, we will get led to this emotional high that I could so relate to. Eleanor says, I have a plan. Uh, Michael and Janet are just finishing up the manifesto, a complete account, big stack of papers of everything we've done. Cinnamon rolls made out, oh, including a recipe of cinnamon rolls made out of pizza roll dough. And maybe someone can learn from our mistakes, uh, which I guess thematically kind of couples with what Eleanor's going to be talking about in a second. Uh, then Michael says, let's take some time and enjoy our time on Earth. Let's go to a lens crafter's uh, Janice says, I'm going to get some bangs. And then uh, 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 Eleanor and um, Chidi show up. They say, is everything okay? Uh, you know, other than everything. I think Michael says that. Uh, and Eleanor says, it's all chilly under the bridge, dude. And then it's, then Jason and Tanya show up. They have big news, which kind of sets Janet uh, on edge in a subtle way. Really, really amazing. Uh, uh, so many there's just callbacks, these jokes about Tycho's and marriage. Uh, and uh, then Eleanor, who is clearly is the heroine and the leader, if we didn't know that already, this one, she says, all right, I need everyone to focus up. He says, the six, and this is really, uh, this message really, really, and I'm not choking, joking at all, hit home for me. She says, okay, we're all doomed. Uh, so the six of us are all doomed with what we have left. We can try, uh, try to do good, try to help people we care about. Let's try. And she says, who wants to try? And everyone goes, so we're in, we're in, we're in. And then I think the last person is Chidi. And she says, Chidi, you want to join the soul squad and save some souls? And he says, yeah, after I go potty. And then Larry rolls up, and so it ends on this funny little joke with Larry in really one of the all-time great episodes, in my opinion. Uh, just with, uh, it just this show literally has soul, deep soul to it. Uh, and, and, you know, philosophical depth, really enjoyable episode. Uh, so let's see what came up with this episode. Uh, like, what did I look up? What did I research? 
Okay, so the first thing that came up was this pattern that goes around the, the interdimensional door. And back when I first moved to California, I didn't know what I was going to do when I was a grown-up. Uh, that took quite a while. Uh, so when I first moved to the Bay Area, the, the, like I had a... At first, I was temping. I was a Kelly girl, and people will laugh, but they, they like I went to this two temp agencies that were competing with one another. And this was in the modern time, and they still, like I said, well, normally we refer to the people that work here as Kelly girls. It was a, a temp agency. And I said, well, I'm fine with that. One, I said, two, w- w- wake up, eh? And they said, well, it's just a remnant. But, but I said, well, which, so I was temping, and then I got a job installing ergonomic workstations uh, in, uh, in, in, in tech companies for the most part. Or that's not totally true. But so one of the companies I, I was installing these workstations in was called Hexcel, H-E-X-C-E-L. And I remember I was with the salesperson that sold the uh, ergonomic workstations. And usually it was just a t- 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 team. Like it, the salesperson would handle the customer. Well, I, I ended up handling more customer service than I was ha- happy about. But uh, this was one of these carbon fiber uh, companies. And... Uh, their claim to fame was something about that hex shell, uh, hex cell shape. You know, it looks like they're doing pretty good because according to the website, Hexcel uh, is a global leader in advanced composites technology. They make a wide range of applications stronger, lighter, and tougher. Founded in 1948, 6,200 employees, 23 plants, and 1.9 billion in sales. Uh, latest news: uh, they're on display at Composites Europe 2018. Uh, C-A-M-X at 2018. It just opened something new in France. You know, they got their own uh, autoclaves, uh, acoustic cap technology, reducing uh, aircraft noise. I could use some of that if, if you're listening. Uh, what else do we got here? Uh, that's the latest news uh, products. Let's see. I think they make bikes and everything. Yeah, carbon fiber. Uh, fabric reinforcement, uh, prepegs and resins, uh, including hex ply, uh, hex bond adhesives, honeycomb, uh, tooling. A lot of people say hex tools. I'd like to put a hex school, a hex tool on scoots, or get a hex tool that deal with scoots and parts and structures. So this is a little bit about Hexel. And I remember you could see it off the 580. I think they're in Dublin or where I installed stuff. Maybe they had two locations that I installed stuff at. Uh, but yeah, it was, uh, everybody that worked there was very nice. I remember, uh, like we met, like whatever the office manager and whoever that was, uh, they, they were very involved. I was very impressed. It was, you know, I always have these secret daydreams. I was hoping they would give me like a carbon fiber bike, uh, not that that ever happened at any company ever, uh, but I said, well, it'd be cool if they gave me, just handed me a carbon fiber bike and said, go to it, kid. Uh, but that did not happen. So that's Hexcel. I don't know if they have anything to do with the interdimensional door. Probably not. Uh, and then uh, we had a Frenchie Fuqua, uh, which reminds me of Antoine Fuqua, uh, who's best known for uh, the Academy Award winning Training Day. But started as a, a, a video music video director, uh, born in Pennsylvania, 
uh, let's see, what, what else? Uh, started off making videos for Tony Braxton, Coolio, Stevie Wonder, and Prince, uh, and then started working on feature films in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. Uh, had a big fan of Kurosawa. Uh, this is all according to, uh, also works with uh, John Woo, uh, with the replacement fr uh, friends, uh, and then Training Day with Denzel Washington, uh, then uh, Tears of the Sun, King Arthur, uh, then a movie, uh, uh, Squirt, uh, Squirter, then uh, and Brooklyn's Finest, Olympus Has Fallen, Equalizer with Denzel, and then Equalizer 2 that uh, recently came out, adapting uh, After Dark with Wesley Snipes. Uh, let's see, you know, on and off of other projects, uh, uh, did uh, Southpaw, uh, let's see, 20th Century Fox, uh, a little bit of this is a, uh, yeah, let's see, what else? Uh, Magnificent Seven, that's uh, like, uh, it seemed like it did really, really well. And uh, that was influenced by Seven Samurai. Uh, Fuqua was also involved in the 2016 uh, remake of Roots. Uh, maybe in talks uh, to make a remake a famous uh, movie starring Al Pacino. Oh, then Fuqua left, uh, and the Coen brothers are working on that. But now Fuqua's back on that. Uh, uh, yeah, so uh, really beloved, uh, beloved director, in my opinion. Yeah, really, a director I have a great, like a great, great, great love of. And uh, yeah, just uh, when I thought of Fuqua, that's when, what I thought of. What about the term Jamokes? Uh, Eleanor uses it. Uh, where does it come from? Well, this article is over at MiriamWebster.com, and it is titled uh, something, something, the title of the, the slow-loading page, uh, 10 Common Words with Milita Military Origins. doesn't have an author, though. Um, a ginormous, which means extremely large, is a portmanteau of gigantic and enormous uh, and came from uh, British military slang. Uh, 1962 dictionaries of sailors' dictionary, ginormous brush, and a ginormous party in the mess. Uh, anything humongous. Uh, Picket, which is a person posted for demonstration or protest, it was in the 1600s because uh, it was originally what the stakes that were used to mark out an area for building fortifications. Uh, I think it was also used uh, in uh, other military terms. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, uh, Jamoke, uh, definition coffee, uh, alter, alter, alteration of Jamoke. Both words originated in uh, naval slang in 1890s and found a home in different people's parlance. Uh, Java and Mocha, uh, two places coffee has been grown. But then it became an uh, uh, inconsequential fellow. Uh, one wag claims that the transition happened when military personnel used a jamoke jokingly for colleagues that didn't uh, pay for coffee or wasn't a, weren't as important as coffee. Uh, umpteen, uh, very many numerous, uh, comes from uh, umpty, a slang word used in the military for an indefinite but fairly large number. 
Umpteen was probably created uh, by an analogy to actual numbers such as 20 and 30 and was originally used to handle, as a handle for the dashes uh, in Morse code. Umpteen uh, abounds, but umpty's not really used. Uh, raunchy is, uh, we know what that means. Uh, it was in the 1930s in the United States Air Corps for Air Corps cadets that were unkempt. Uh, skedaddle, uh, runaway, uh, is off alter, alteration of scaddle, word used in British dialect for someone running off, uh, or, you know, a, a pet running off. Uh, skedaddle was used in Union troops, by Union troops. Uh, so that's when it made, what about skosh, uh, a small amount, uh, comes from the Japanese word sukoshi. S-U-K-O-S-H-I, 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 which is pronounced, if I would have read a little bit, Skoshi, which means a tiny bit. Uh, it could have been shortened by servicemen in Japan in uh, WW2 for any small amount of Skosh. Uh, spit and polish, uh, there's a couple other ones in there, but that's from Merriam-Webster. Thanks, Merriam-Webster. Now, Michael says our current timeline on Earth is a flat, like a straight line, but it made me think of our friend uh, uh, from uh, our true friend uh, who also is a detective, uh, Rust Cole, I think it was his name, uh, and uh, the idea of the time being a flat circle, uh, which is also known as the eternal return. Here's a couple of eternal return quotes. Uh, first, we'll start with Rust Cole's. Uh, his name, yeah, Rust Cole. Uh, someone has told me time is a flat circle. Everything we've ever done or will do, we're going to do over and over again. Uh, but then uh, for, for Nietzsche, uh, who came up in this episode, uh, says, Supreme star of being, tablet of eternal forms, you come towards me. Why hasn't anyone beheld your mute beauty? Why doesn't it escape my gaze? A sign of necessity, tablet of eternal forms, but of course you know it. What everyone hates, what I alone love, that you are eternal, that you are necessary. My love is ever ignited only through necessity. Sign of necessity, supreme star of being, that no desire attains. Uh, that no, no desecrates, eternal yes of being, eternally I am your yes, for I love you, O O eternity. Uh, There's Nietzsche there, Uh, and there's a lot of other ones uh, uh, that I'll link to, but let's check on Wikipedia uh, a little bit about the eternal return which I guess is different than Jeremy Barabin, but maybe not. Eternal recurrence is a theory that the universe and all existence and energy have been recurring and will continue to recur in a self-similar form an infinite number of times across uh, infinite time or space. Uh, This theory has been found in Indian philosophy and in ancient Egypt. Uh, The Stoics and Pythagoreans talked about it with the decline of antiquity. In the spread of Christianity, this theory fell into disuse in the Western world, with the exception of Nietzsche, who connected the thoughts uh, to many of his concepts, including Amor Fati, which I think maybe was how this episode ends on that note. Embrace your fate, uh, love uh, your fate. I guess that's what Eleanor is saying at the end of the episode. Interesting that I missed that, because I used to have Amor Fati on a 
index card across from my foot of my bed. And I'd say, what does that mean? What does that mean again? I've got to go back to bed. Eternal return is based on the philosophy of predeterminism uh, and predestiny, which, you know, it can't, not, but it, that's kind of what this episode's about, right? Uh, wow, this depth, uh, I salute you, uh, the good place. Uh, basic sem- uh, premise uh, proceeds from the uh, assumption that the probability of world coming to existence like our own is non-zero. Uh, if uh, space and time are infinite, then it follows that our existence must reoccur an infinite number of times. Uh, and it's 1871, Louis-Auguste Blancois, uh, maybe, uh, said, uh, assuming in Newtonian cosmology where time and space are infinite, claimed to have demonstrated eternal recurrence as mathematical certainty. Uh, in ancient Egypt, the scarab was uh, viewed as a sign of eternal renewal and reemergence, uh, and a reminder of the life to come. Uh, also, Mayans and Aztecs took a cyclical view of time. Uh, so, a little bit about it. Uh, in Nietzsche, the concept of eternal reoccurrence, uh, as we've talked about, is central to writings in Nietzsche. Uh, it comes up again and again. Lots of quotes, including like the one uh, Ichidi says, uh, let's see, several authors have pointed out that the occurrences of hypotheses in contemporary thought. There's a lot more about it, but uh, that you could read about if you like. Uh, it just reminded me of Russ Cole. What about the Swanson Safe Company? First of all, great alliteration. And then, you know, Ron Swanson. The Swanson Safes came up. Tahani's money was in a Swanson Safe. Jason had been in one. And there's lots of writings. This is from the AV Club. Uh, numerous links between the good place and parks and rack. Uh, and that uh, some things might exist in both universes or maybe they are part of the same universe. Uh, and I'll link to this. Uh, you know, Ron Swanson never explicitly got into the safe business, it says. Uh, and now I lost my face. Uh, oh, but uh, if he did, he would have been very sturdy. And a pretty thing. But then uh, the Good Place podcast, uh, it did, a, a, they had it as the sponsor, the Swanson Safe Company, uh, is uh, they, they were talking about their quality of their safes. Uh, and who voiced that out? Uh, and we don't know, or do we? I don't know. So to listen to that episode, that was uh, episode uh, channel 21. Uh, with Jason Manzukis and uh, Jeff Rosenberg. So listen to that episode and uh, listen to that ad for Swanson Safes. And by the way, keep it safe. Put everything in a Swanson Safe. Uh, safe, secure, Swanson Safes. Thanks. Okay, what about taxi cab meters? Uh, they came up and, you know, it's something you see less and less with uh, ride-sharing apps. And if you ever lived in New York... Uh, and you didn't have any, you know, you know the agony of watching these meters and saying what, uh, or any, I guess anybody, it's probably a universal thing if you've ever ridden in a cab uh, and you're not a Monopoly person, you're probably saying, holy cow, like, uh, you got to be kidding me, right? Uh, so according to Wikipedia, a taxi meter is a mechanical or an electronic device uh, in taxi cabs and auto rickshaws that calculates fares, uh, based on time and distance traveled. A modern one was invented in uh, 
in by German Friedrich Wilhelm Gustav Brun in 1891. And the Dahmer Victoria was the first gasoline-powered uh, taxi cab in 1897. They were originally mechanical, mounted outside the cab, uh, above the driver's front side wheel. And then they got relocated inside, uh, and uh, people were familiar back then with the sound of the ticking mechanism. And they even had like a flag, I think, that you could put up and down that kind of started it. And some of them like would say, you know, I don't know, hired or unhired, or I don't know what those thing says. Uh, you know, some of them had printers. There's a lot of different ones across the world. So people probably co- co- collect these, uh, oh, free or for hire occupied or hired, to pay or stopped. Uh, uh, so that's just a little bit about it. It's probably, there's probably a taxi museum somewhere. Uh, now, Stan Smith sneakers. I saw Eleanor was wearing Stan Smiths. I don't think she was, though, even though there are blue Stan Smiths. Here's the thing. I wore Stan Smiths uh, on and off for probably like 10 years of my life. That was when they were out of style. Now they're in style, but uh, or they were recently. Uh, it is a, a tennis shoe made by Adidas, uh, maybe for playing sports, more for, like, uh, looking good. I can't believe I wore white sneakers, and, yeah, they didn't stay white for long. Uh, Stan Smith was a tennis player uh, from the 60s to the 80s. Uh, uh, white leather upper laces, a simple design. It does not have external three stripes. It just has perforations or ventilation holes as stripes. Uh, yeah, so it has this minimalist branding. And it's usually green, but I know they've come out with a blue model. Yeah, it started in the 60s. Then in the 70s, it was named after Stan Smith. Uh, after uh, like an agreement. uh between the 80s and the 90s, 22 million pairs had been sold. By 94, that had got to 23.7 million. A Stan Smith too. I don't know if I've had a Stan Smith too. Uh, it came out in uh, 2008. It's uh, part of the additional Adidas Originals line. Yeah, 40 million pairs have been sold. Uh, I wonder how much Stan Smith ever got. Best-selling tennis shoe ever, maybe. It's a complex sneakers listed at number four as the 50 greatest tennis sneakers of all time. It, due to the enormous success, they stopped marketing the shoe in 2012. Uh, uh, maybe uh, maybe it's a myth. I don't know. Uh, in 2014, they re, uh, uh, launched it with the ability to customize your own pair. I wonder if you can still do that. You should do it with purple. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, let's see if anybody knows anything more about it. Uh, hit me up. Uh, it's a little bit about Stan Smith's. It's a pretty packed episode, so I'm going to have to link to some of the stuff. But uh, Peeps came up. Uh, they're marshmallow candies uh, shaped into chicks, chicks, Easter bunnies, or other animals. Uh, you know, people, they tend to be a divisive thing, and they have expanded. I worked with a woman named Joan who loved Peeps. I, I like Peeps. Uh, I'm not against them. Uh, manufactured in Bethlehem, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania by Just Born Candy Company. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they expanded it a lot in uh, 2009, lip balm and other things. Uh, you know, then they started, it looks like they have a Halloween peeps. So I'll have to check those out. Uh, I don't know if I've had those. 
Peeps are sometimes referred to jokingly as indestructible. Emory University performed experiments to see uh, what they could do to it. Uh, and uh, they, they, some places say they're totally insoluble. Uh, but according to this, it's like maybe not. Uh, so, yeah, that's just a little bit about Peeps. Uh, it was cool to see it on the episode. And, uh yeah, let's see, let's see, uh, beautiful Australian currency in this one. I got to say that uh, I'm preferable, I don't know which what my favorite note is. Uh, five down, it has some uh, beautiful colors from Sleep With Me podcast. A ten's got a nice blue turquoise, uh, yeah, but I think the twenty down note's mine, favorite. It's just a, a bold red Though the hundred is a clean green, I also like the dollar coin. Uh, let's see when these were issued. I think 2016. Uh, let's see if they have uh, the designs. Uh, and there's a lot. The dollar coin replaced the dollar note in 1984. Topix five kangaroos, two dollar coin. Got rid of the two dollar note in 1988. Uh, which has an Aboriginal tribal elder against the background of the Southern Cross and native uh, grass trees. A uh, twenty-cent coin has a platypus on it. That's I gotta get some. I gotta get my hands on some of these coins. Uh, Ten-cent coin has a male lyrebird dancing, which is a mimic bird. So the currency you uh, have to go over in uh, another time, but uh, beautiful, beautiful bills as well as. Uh, I haven't seen pictures of the coins, but mostly the bills were featured. They were given out a lot of 20s, I, I think, in this episode. And then one more piece of uh, candy news. What about dum-dums? It seemed like Jason was having those uh, D-U-M-D-U-M-S lollipops, sphere-shaped lollipops. And they're from an Akron candy company in Bellevue, Ohio. Uh, they were thinking that that name would be something any child could say. They were purchased by Spangler Candy Company and moved to Bryan, Ohio. Initially, there was uh, seven flavors, lemon, lime, orange, coconut, pineapple, cherry, grape, and butterscotch. Uh, they've gone from plastic to paper strips and back again. Uh, then they have 16 new flavors rotating in the mix every so often. Mystery flavor is the result of the end of the one batch mixing with the new batch. Uh, ra- I didn't know that. Rather than stopping production to clean machines in between flavors. And it looks like the Wikipedia article links to a thing. What is a mystery flavor of Dum Dum's uh, mental floss article? So that's cool to check out. Uh, let's see. What else? Uh, one last thing is the heart of the ocean necklace. Uh, which was from the movie Titanic. Is it real? Uh, that was the question I had. It's a fictional blue diamond featured in the film Titanic, a 56 carat, owned by Louis the Fourteenth, uh, and put in a heart shape during the French Revolution. Uh, Billy Zane purchased it uh, before riding on the Titanic. Uh, it was going to be a ga- engagement gift for Rose. Uh, and it's believed that Rose uh, and was wearing the necklace at some point, uh, and then people wanted to get it. Uh, the story of the Hope Diamond uh, has many similarities to the Heart of the Ocean, except the Hope Diamond was not on uh, any ships that went uh, uh, to the big farm in the sea. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that's just a little bit about it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I wanted to just see there's a Jay Peterman necklace uh, 
uh, blue cubic zirconia, the Asprey and Gerard necklace, uh, uh, which was based on the film, 171 carat uh, sapphire. Uh, I think it got sold for a donation uh, to support a bunch of charities for $1.4 million. Oh, under the agreement, Celine Dion would wear it for the 1998 Academy Awards. Uh, so, yeah, so that's a Oh, and then the J. Peterman Company did sell uh, reproductions of it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit about uh, this is some stuff that came up on The Good Place. Uh, and, yeah, all we got to do is try, just like Eleanor says. Uh, uh, you've joined this. You know, Oprah has Super Soul Sundays. And on Thursdays, you got the Soul Squad on the good place. Uh, good night. All right, I want to thank everybody who reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts. Uh, Toby, the best, uh, said, simply works better than the alternatives. Not sure how he does it, but it works. Uh, wake up a few times. And where I used to toss and turn, I just keep the app running at low volume and find it much easier to sleep. Uh, Wild M says, it works and it makes me smile. Love this podcast. really works. I don't fall asleep. Uh, I fall asleep with a smile on my face. Thanks, Scoots. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to be a kid again and have Scooters. My dad, uh, Scooter, Scooter squeaky dulcet tones. Uh, take me back to a time when I have to worry about adult stuff. I hear you. And I could sleep so much better without my brain running constantly at night. I didn't realize I needed a bedtime story before I started listening. But now I can't sleep without it. That's from Sherlock Rates. Uh, here's uh, Rob uh, Rob Garbo, maybe related to Greta, maybe not. Uh, so boring, I fall asleep before it's over. I don't really know if his bedtime stories are any good. You usually fall asleep during the beginning. That's five stars. Uh, uh, Dora, with a lot of A's and H, uh, works like a charm. I have no issue getting off to sleep, and it's a peaceful one at that, thanks to this podcast. Even if I do wake up, it's not long before I'm off again. Miracle. Can't wait uh, to become a patron. Uh, serotonin uh, says, uh, that's funny. It's spelled with a, 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 a S-A-R-A-H, uh, 16. I don't listen on a regular basis, but... Uh, the episodes I listen to put me to sleep too easily. I should try to incorporate this into my night routine instead of my snack and tone. And uh, Scoots is a real sweet guy. Thank you. Uh, Irish Fifi from the UK says, uh, um, says, I'll be here to keep you coming in Deep Dark Night. Sending my voice across the Deep Dark Night uh, made, made me tear up and subscribe within minutes. Uh, just the soothing words you need to hear on a sleepless night. Uh, it works comes from Chris Dart. Uh, I love this podcast. Drew Scooter cobbles together these amazing meandering stories that are just enough to listen to if you can't sleep, but boring and dreamy enough uh, that you end up dozing off. Sweet and silly, and the community supportive and wholesome. So glad it exists and Scoots can be my boyfriend. Uh, Adam says, my boy sleep bud. Uh, he stepped in the gift of both making me laugh and putting me to sleep. It's phenomenal. Uh, Dawn does not like the ads, uh, 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 so I guess it's kind of, a, you could become a patron and skip the ads of $5 a month, uh, uh, so I guess that's the best, probably the best solution, uh, but yeah, thanks for the review, uh, and, uh, thank everybody for, uh, supporting the show, Sleep With Me is listener-supported, either listeners supporting the patrons or supporting the show directly, and you can do either one over to our website, sleepwithmepodcast.com. 
uh, Super Music Proud member of Night Vale Presents. Uh, you can check out all the amazing shows over there at nightvalepresents.com. Uh, newest shows, Adventures in New America, Dream Boy, new season of uh, Within the Wires. Uh, check out all of those amazing shows and all the other ones on the website. We're also a member of PRX. You can see everything they're doing at prx.org. And again, thanks for the support. Thanks for making this show possible. Let me tuck you in there. Get a little more comfy, a little more cozy. Uh, and uh, thanks, thanks, and good night. I'll talk to you soon or, you know, right after this in another episode. Good night.